Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Hollywood Breaks. We bring back Jeremy Gershman, one of our favorite uh, friends and co-hosts here to talk about many things changing in Hollywood. I really kind of challenged Keith and Jeremy this week to ask the question, is Hollywood making any progress at all? We're really talking about HBO, a breakthrough that happened in 1978, and really 1990s movies. Challenge them of our clients asking us about the future or just leveraging the present. Um, we've seen some changes going on in Paramount, that shakeup there, and really this new format that's coming out called NFTs can be shaking up a space in an entertainment in a different way. So there's a lot that we have to talk about. We honestly just had really fun on a Saturday, so please enjoy the show and uh, make your comments below. I'm involved in a small group of people that are doing something on the NFT space, and there's this one um, NFT company called 10KTF. And they dropped uh, a series of <clears throat> NFTs in the last seven days that when I was on the Discord channel, like the, the excitement and the anticipation, um, I don't know, like j just like all the stuff that we know about the entertainment space was happening in Discord on a website, NFT space, this, this other uh, website called OpenSea. I just tell you, like, it's hard to explain how all this stuff comes together in a short form. So if you're not familiar with it, it's hard to explain. But the activity I saw and the joy I saw with folks that moved into this very niche space, I swear, is the beginning of entertainment for the for the future. And we're we're just touching it, right? We're talking like internet before AOL kind of moments this is the level where NFT is. It's like nobody knows what it is. Those little DV, the little CDs are not showing up in everyone's mailbox to get them on this platform yet to figure out how everything comes together. Um, so I there's a there's something happening that I think is coming around the like the, the left bend and coming gonna come at us really fast. Um, so I appreciate doing this Hollywood Breaks podcast because it's this thing of like I think I'm reconciling different you know, different parts of what's happening in the in this thing. And it's funny that I that's what I'm watching. Yeah, that's what I'm watching and doing this week. And you guys are watching the Val Kilmer documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, uh, yeah, we uh, we realized pre-show that Jeremy and I both watched the Val documentary last night, <clears throat> um, which I can't recommend high enough. It was quite enjoyable. And but in our wait, you guys both watched it last night. Yeah. Yes. But did you watch it together? Did you call each other? <laughs> no, we didn't do it. We didn't do it over FaceTime. Well, no, in no, true no. 80s fashion, we were both on, on phone. We were both on yeah. corded Rotary phone. phones. Yeah, rotary phones. I got to call Jeremy, see if he's yeah. Oh, I got the answering machine. Damn. <laughs> Can you believe he said that? Um, yeah, that's what. Uh, anyway, but uh, yeah, I think it hits on a lot of what we've been talking about, Tim, in terms of the, you know, there's the nostalgia factor, but also the reality. And the nostalgia for me was seeing like the background footage from when they shot um, Top Gun and <clears throat> seeing that Kelly McGillis and Val Kilmer apparently were in the same class at Juilliard and they really didn't talk and then they connected on Top Gun. I mean, it's just like that whole, that entire era was so like big in my childhood. And then you flash forward and you see Val in his current state and it kind of, you get a little depressed because he's not looking that great. I mean, he acknowledges the whole thing. I don't look good. I mean, I'm I'm fine, but you know, he, he can't really talk. Um, he has to plug the hole in his throat if he's going to say anything. So it sort of runs to the idea that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Tim. I think 
in terms of like the 90s nostalgia, but then it's kind of running up against reality. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you felt, Jane, when you were watching it, but that's kind of how I felt. <laughs> for me, it was just kind of like, it was a reminder. Well, yeah, we are, yeah, definitely. I just look in the mirror for that. But uh, <laughs> it was it was a reminder of the pomp and circumstance that used to come with movies because they showed the premieres. And I mean, just hearing people screaming for them and when they were looking through the newspapers and they each had their own ad and they were like looking at all the, you know, the, 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 the kind of way people were talking about them. And uh, yeah, just movies, just taking movies, you know, separately. It's just not kind of, I think, held in that same regard per se. Um, I think it's very kind of, you know, few examples of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I was listening to a, a podcast or audiobook or something like that. And they were talking about their, well, they're calling it a, a decadent society. And they were talking mm -hmm. about how little, um, you know, evolution has take place, which not, you know, how, how little our exposure to any new uh, evolution is taking place besides maybe just the iPhone where between, 1950 and 1970, the incredible is taking place. Everything from like the washing machine to a moon landing took place in those 20 years. And then you say 19, you know, 1990 or 2000 to 2020. And you're like, well, we, well, well, there was this thing called Twitter and now there's this thing called, or this thing called Facebook. And that's thing called Twitter. <laughs> Peter, Peter Thiel, something like they got the moon landing and we got a hundred and, 26 characters. So 115 one of characters. Quotes. 115 yeah. characters, yeah. yeah. So it's like this this thought of like nothing is really happening. And I have maybe some of our our desire of what's coming next and what we're seeing coming next is, is a reflection of like, well, what did we anticipate? What did we want to see? And now that we're in this changeover, we're hopefully asking questions of like, well, is this the opportunity we can do something different? Because we can actually just throw away the last 20 years. There's no problem. Nothing really happened. And I will say it depends on which generation you ask. Because if you ask this generation, like, what's what's a bigger deal to you? That we landed on the moon or that you can, you know, you can FaceTime with your friends? Oh, my God, the phone. Are you kidding me? It's everything. So that's right. They, they believe TikTok coming out is a great. And we're like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that already. I think there was this other platform that did that called YouTube. I mean, our, like yeah. Snapchat, that didn't already happen for mine. Yeah, 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 Vine. Right. Wait, yeah. Vine. Yeah. Tweezers. Jeremy remembers the tweezers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me so. Um, but man. you know, yeah, it kind of reminds me. It, it's ironic because you bring. I think I know what book you're talking about. The Decadent Society. I, I, I'm familiar with the author. That's what He's it a, is. The Decadent Society book, right? Yeah. New yeah, York it's Times. Ross Douthat, New York Times columnist. I think yeah. is his name. Yeah. Um, and you're right. He very much makes the point, like, look at all we've done in the past, and now we only get 115 characters. And it, it's also the idea, and it's sort of couched, I read one of his columns where he couched it sort of when there was all this pushback against what Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk were doing with their various space companies instead of actually spending the money on, like, philanthropy. He's like, well, no, they're actually doing things that, like, they're advancing us in a way that... We we weren't doing in the past. Uh, we're not we're not really doing now. Like if you think about, the, I always go back to like Back to the Future too. When they've zoomed to the future, we've already passed that time, which was like 2020, 2019. Yeah, they had flying cars in the movie. That's that's where like Bob Smekis thought we were gonna be. 
at that point, and we still have cars on the ground, but yes, we have phones that we can FaceTime with. We can't even get the flying skateboard in our generation. <laughs> That's true. The we can't even get the flying skateboard. <laughs> we can't and even get autonomous cars. <laughs> our airplanes work. haven't changed that much. In fact, they're probably more uncomfortable because <laughs> they're trying to squeeze even more people into the planes than they did back then. Yeah. But it, it, I think it's the expectation that I think we've sort of lost this idea that where is any advancement left? And that we've sort of reached the peak of who we are. And now all we need to do is just evolve our hu- ourselves as human beings. Like, figure out a way how to defeat death. And, you know, not become immortals. And, you know, not have to worry about disease or anything like that anymore. And- so let me pivot the, into this. Because, by the way, Jeremy, welcome again. So great to have yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. <laughs> so good. So good. Podcast live. Yeah. You are one of uh, one of our fans' favorites. So whenever we put yes. your name out there, thank you. I think we're just gonna have to make you part, permanent part of the team because we get more hits when you're around than not. Thank so. you. I spent a lot of money on this. Well, he has three more parts. Remember, he promised five part show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when he came on, he's like, I got at least to have five parts in my head. That's good. So I'm like, okay, well, this is part two. Here we go. We got him locked into this contract. That's what we need. The sequel. <laughs> so now think about the questions you're being asked while you while you guys are be consulting and working for these agencies you're working for. Are they asking you questions and giving you the job because of the work you did 20 years ago? And they're saying, oh, that gives you the experience of 20 years ago. We still need that today. Or are they asking you about the future? And they're saying, oh, you're a futurist. I want to hear your thoughts on on how this future thing that we have coming up, you're going to deal with it because you're already thinking through it. I'd say it's definitely the latter. You know, I kind of found that out firsthand. I'd had all those, you know, that kind of, you know, 20 years of studio experience. And I thought, oh, that'll, that'll open doors everywhere. And um, yeah, that's just kind of, because the people that used to appreciate that aren't there anymore. You know what I mean? It's like that, you know, it used to be a language in itself. You could just point to a campaign and be like, yeah, I worked on Avatar, you know, or something. <laughs> and now you're like, oh, well, it's just, let's just get your nameplate done. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the people that are in charge at the streamers and stuff like that, um, they're looking for something else. Yeah, they're looking for, you know, I, it feels like, you know, we always come back to data and, and you know, and, and aggregates and stuff like that. I think, I think being able to, um, you know, weave in the digital social component of things. Um, but yeah, you know, being able to still show a passion for the content, the, you know, the stories and stuff like that. I think that still means something. Um, because I think that's where, you know, people like in the studios, they, a lot of them used to come into it because they loved movies and they loved TV shows. Now I think you're getting people that are coming in because they just maybe want a great job or they just want to kind of be in something that is tech related. And so you just don't get that reaction when you start talking about the projects where like the eyes light up and people get excited. I think you really, you know, you really need that and you want that. And so I, hopefully I, that's something I still offer. So the story part, your, your relevance to how to tell a story is great, but the, you're finding it challenging. It sounds like to be, yeah, be competitive in this space now. Uh, Oh, absolutely. You know, um, because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of sometimes quantify what's up here, you know, um, from just like a, a, a feel and an artistry. Um, but that's why I try to like, you know, I try and kind of, you know, offset it with my, uh, you know, enthusiasm and, and, and it's, at least I have, you know, 
I have a good knowledge of what's been done before, not just in terms of movies and TV shows, but in terms of marketing and advertising. Like I'm the guy at my agency that can tell you what song was used in what trailer. You know, I've been in <laughs> because I like I, I can't tell you how many calls and or you know meetings I've been in where people start throwing out like, oh, that'd be great. I'm like, that would be great if it wasn't already used for a Denzel Washington movie two two years ago. But uh, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah. And that matters, you know, it's like, no, you know, that still applies. No one wants to kind of be, you know, a, a rerun or something like that. So for sure. Yeah. I, I would echo what Jeremy just said, because at least with some of the clients that I've dealt with it, they're not wowed. I mean, there's like a five second. Wow. Not, not even that in terms of like, Oh, I worked an avatar and I'm like, Oh, cool. Next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's more, okay, that's great. Well, where, 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 what, 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 what platform should I develop this content for? Where should I, is it a theatrical film or does it feel more like something that might be good for a streamer? Like I've been talking to a documentary filmmaker and they're like, well, I want to, uh, should we just give it to HBO? And I'm like, well, uh, well, let's talk about what the, the story is. Does it feel like it might be bigger than HBO? Does it need to be an HBO thing? Is it something that you feel would be better served in a theatrical experience? Like those are a lot the conversation that I'm having, it really doesn't have anything to do with my time at Fox. Like a lot of times, yes, that kind of gets me in the door, but it's more, it's more what I've said after that, that convinces them that I'm not just a typical theatrical guy. Even just a question of like, is, should I put this on HBO? You're like, HBO is 1980, 1978. (laughs) Or something like that. Yeah. So the fact yeah. that you're still asking the question in 2022, 2021 of like, should we put this on HBO? Or like, so there's no, there's no other evolution. Imagine yourself in 1980 thinking, oh my gosh, nothing is going to change from this point on <laughs> of where I'm going to be putting my show. I'm going to put my show. It's going to be on HBO no matter what. Yes. <laughs> I will say this. I had a, oh my God, I had a fascinating conversation at work the other day. So uh, I will say we were, so we're talking about working on, let's say an HBO project and it's for movies on HBO. And so uh, I was trying to talk to kind of our staff and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, should we be thinking about Dune? And I was like, no, no, no. Dune is day and date with HBO Max or theatrical Mm. HBO Max. But that is still separate than HBO. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, because there used to be this thing where, you know, you could only, <laughs> after it was in theaters, you had to wait until it was on cable. You know what I mean? And then we get the syndication. Still like cable. And that still applies. And so, like, it, it's still weird. Like, there still is, like, a difference between HBO and now HBO Max, which is considered more of, like, kind of like the future. But, Jeremy, that's almost stupid. Like, I, you have to, you have to. <laughs> It, it was so easy. Like you turn on the TV, there was yeah. HBO, yeah. and then you go to a theater, and that was done by Universal Studios. But the yeah. fact that, like, no, no, you don't understand because, and then you have to, like, there's no other greater thing moving us forward. Yeah, I think it'll get phased out. I think that's probably one of the last kind of remnants are these kind of like, you know, you know, kind of these syndication rights, if you will. You know what I mean? I think I think that'll all just kind of go away. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, should we just push it out? Like, are we just, so, you know, we talk a lot about people hanging on to something. And I'm just thinking now, like, hey, um, there's amazing stuff happening. We just can't see it because we're, because we're, um, 
the studios that we talk about, the leaders in the industry are holding on to something. They're they're trying to retain their power and, and opportunity. And they're at some point there was disruptors that may put them into that situation. And they really are kind of building this empire where where they don't have to be disrupted. Um, and I'm thinking now, like, maybe we need to shake this sucker up a little bit. Because even YouTube was probably one of the greatest great, great breakthroughs. And then Google just scooped it up. And I was like, well, it's part of one of these tech. Well, I, I think you can see things are moving at a pretty good clip now. Because if you look at, like, Free Guy, for example, which sat on the shelf for two years because of the pandemic. And they couldn't put it on Disney Plus because they had an output deal with HBO. So you can see, like, even in the last two years, how much has changed and shifted that that's probably not even a, a four. That, I, I guarantee you most studios at Greenlight Movies aren't even talking about, well, when is it going to be on HBO? What, what's our, what's our uh, you know, HBO Showtime window? Like, that's not even a reality anymore because it's, it's shifting so fast. And you can see it, like, it's playing out real time with, with all the decisions that have been made in Paramount within the last week where you basically have Jim Giannopoulos being shut it out the door. Brian Robbins comes in. He basically takes Clifford the Big Red Dog, boom, day and date, and theaters and on Paramount Plus within like three or four days. And it's just like zip, 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 zip. And Jeffrey Katzenberg, I guess, did an interview with uh, Kara Swisher on one of her pod, on her radio show. And he said, if it was 20 years ago, I wouldn't even think about going to Hollywood. I would just go up to Silicon Valley. It's like, yeah, dude, but you were the one who kind of sat back and let Netflix fly in and eat everybody's lunch. <laughs> so it's kind of hilarious after the fact that he's now saying, well, I would probably do it a little. I mean, he's like, well, yeah. And I now that I could see how this thing played itself out, I should have made a different decision. <laughs> yeah. And you could you can say, like, if you look at what Brian Robbins, I think, was brought in because I think maybe they look at him as being a tad more digitally savvy. Oh, yeah. Than Jim was. And the idea is Paramount Plus is sitting there with no content. And um, somebody, um, Matt Belliani's, um, what I've been hearing in his newsletter this week, he mentioned that one of the producers on the Paramount lot said, Jim G's a great people guy, but Brian Robbins will get things made. And like, that's really what they need right now. They need like content. They have to maximize the value of Paramount well, Plus because if you look at like Netflix, that just churns them out, but that's okay because they've got their award movies, but they're churning it out because they're trying to maximize the value of the service and reduce churn. I, here's what I'll say. I'm going to bring it full circle. Midway through, I'm already bringing it full circle. <laughs> wow. I think there we go. We, we have a, a little bit more of the show left here, buddy. That's all right. Yeah, right. I can do two circles. Um, so it's like a, the infinity side. Um, okay. So when we we're talking about Val and I was saying about how like it was great to be reminded of the way movies were kind of held up on this pedestal and celebrated. Um, I think that, that that's what this is about. I think Jim might be considered someone who still feels uh, movies are precious and is still precious with them. And that's not what this, I think the streamers and stuff want. They want, they want someone that is like, doesn't see theatrical. You know what I mean? It's like, they don't care. It's whatever is going to probably get the stock up, you know, whatever's going to get the subscribers up and is going to make quick, hard decisions that aren't going to be impacted by some sort of, you know, pull against oh, my natural instinct. Like this deserves a theatrical release, or I made a promise to that filmmaker or whatever it is. I think, I think that's part of it. I think the people that used to really be precious about movies and theatrical experiences are being kind of 
pushed aside for people that can make decisions, you know, kind of like content colorblind. But aren't you guys just saying, hey, the studios are doing these major changes. They're deciding to catch up to Netflix. Right. That's all you're really saying. It's like, okay, we got it. But like, that's not, that's not beyond Netflix. They're not shooting for the moon. They're like, hey, let's make some changes because we, they're almost admitting now, like, okay, we're behind. We got to catch up. And again, like that is, that's not growth. That's just playing catch up. Oh yeah. The greatest evolution is Netflix and we're stopping where I think that, um, or at least I hope that there has to be other movements taking place. So there's the physical space, the theaters, there's the online platforms that are basically, you know, long tail models, tons and tons of stuff on there. Nobody knows us, knows where to find it. Nobody knows how to access the stuff. Yeah. Jeremy, you were saying earlier, drop dates or release dates or tune in dates when they want you to tune in. You're like, I was supposed to have tuned in. I, I, yeah. I know I, I download it and watch it on a plane. I don't tune into anything. How's that, how's exactly. that going to work? You know? Yeah. So there, there's a, I think there's an itch for something even, even more. And, and almost like we, we should be irritated that the greatest thing these studios are doing are trying to catch up to Netflix instead of trying to give us something different than, than that platform. I think they'll do that first. I think they feel like they have to catch up for first and then they could be forward thinking. But you'll be dead by them, Jeremy, at the rate oh. that they're going. <laughs> well, yeah. It'll well, be- still like, it's still worrying about HBO from 1978. <laughs> We're in trouble. Yeah, they have to catch up and consolidate. I think that's that's the thing is obviously there's still too many, you know, it's like they're going to try to get down to like probably four. Um, but yeah, it's a good question of what's the next next. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg was trying to figure that out. I'll give him credit there. He thought, yeah, yeah. he thought quickly. He at least tried like, something. Yeah. That, that's true. Like, he tried. That's shorter right. And, you know, and work with the turnstile kind of, you know, with the kind of perspective and all that stuff. And, you know, it didn't work out, but he was trying. I mean, I would say, uh, you know, I agree with you that there needs to be some semblance of an evolution. And we've been talking about this and, you know, Tom Rothman is probably one of the last grand poobas that is still standing in the studio world. And I, even he recognizes that he can't just be super precious with theatrical anymore. He's got to be more and you know, involvement with Netflix and Amazon. Um, you know, I do think there is an idea that I, I don't think the, the theatrical experience is going to die out completely. It's just a, a matter of evolving it to the point where it still makes sense. And I think the studio that's still trying to do that the most, I would argue, is Universal. They're still trying to figure out the model that works best while still protecting sort of the idea of the theatrical experience, but at the same time, you're right, catching up with Netflix. Um, Because Netflix is never going to have the worldwide distribution that a Universal has. They're just not. They don't have the relationships. They just don't have that. And there's always going to be filmmakers who are going to have a yearning for that sort of worldwide reach outside of just clicking on your phone or turning on your TV. So there's that, that aspect of it, but you're right. They are just more or less playing catch up. And Netflix is, 
a large part of a lot of what they produce is some of it's still licensed content. Mm -hmm. Like they're still just licensing content from the studio that are being produced. Yeah. I was watching Shit's Creek on Netflix last night. Yeah. Like Ted Lasso is a Warner Brothers. And that does it. They didn't even give me the bung (laughs) before it. It's just, I love how they say that Ted Lasso is an Apple TV's plus first big success at the Emmys. I'm like, well, it's a Warner Brothers production. (laughs) It's not like Apple TV plus just plucked it and said, Hey, let's make Ted Lasso. no, Warner Brothers produces it and Apple TV Plus just happens to put it on their platform. So there's still a lot, I think, the idea of what the next evolution is definitely a very interesting question. We've talked a little bit about that, whether or not it's changing the theatrical experience. I think the NFT aspect of it is definitely interesting. I know there's a lot of mini startups that are sort of like, we're going to be the NFT studio and we're going to produce movies and NFTs. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. But I do think that the studios really need to get wise. And I think, again, as you said, the idea of uh, them trying to catch up to Netflix. Well, maybe that's why that's why Emma Watts is moving on. That's why um, uh, your buddy from Paramount is – no, not Paramount. Uh, who's the one we talked about what? last week, two weeks ago? Who's the one? Uh, who? Joe, oh, Jim. <laughs> Jim's moving oh, on. Oh, Jim. Yeah, yeah, Jim, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. That's why we're we're seeing some of this moving and shaking. Um, and yeah. then to your point, like even even just even just to mention the Emmys for one second, Keith. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't throw up in your mouth when you said that. Uh, like, oh yeah, I didn't I didn't watch show, it at all. It's the end, as we predicted last week. Yes, it is the yeah, end they're, of they're, anybody caring about anything yeah. in that space at all. Yeah. Whoa, hold right. on. You you're, you said the Emmys are the. I thought it's funny. I thought you were going to go with the fact that that was the end of network television because that's, yeah, that's how what I, I mean. read. Network okay, television. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. basically right. Yes. Yeah. Which means like so. I mean, yeah. T- truly, like the streamers to take over Emmys. It's almost a fool's game. I mean, to be a voting member now. So the idea of voting was like when they created it, there was like three shows to watch, and you're like, which show right. did you want to choose? One, two, or three? They asked us to watch. 45 one hour shows to vote on this thing. Yeah. 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 Well, I could only well, vote they, for one of the seven categories I could vote for in order to follow the procedure of like walking through. Yeah. And that was, you, they, watch, they want you to watch at least one episode of every show. And I'm like, are you kidding me? There's 45 shows here. Yeah. How am I possibly going to do that? So it can't like that whole like facade that this is the best of whatever. It's pretty much like, no, I watched Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso. We should just vote I'm for gonna it. I'm going to vote for Ted Lasso. Because I yeah. can't, I'll never find something new or, or recognize. Okay. But could I, I could argue that, uh, well, and I thought that it reflected that with the 20 nominees for each category. I thought that was also very fascinating, but <laughs> I, I could argue that, you know, like in the past, like remember the way Oscars would always play where, the popular movies would never get recognized and the things that would win would be kind of small art house that no one saw and people would get frustrated with that. And it's like the Emmys are becoming more representing what is popular. You know what I mean? And maybe that's a better indication of what, you know, we should be discussing and celebrating. Maybe not, but I just, you know, that's if anyone watches the Emmys, which I also don't, which it was such a, but I mean, we, we talked about last week, Jeremy, just like the end of the host. Like it doesn't, yeah. this whole yeah. like format doesn't even make sense anymore. No, um, yeah. The glamour of the red carpet or, or whatever we used to just tune into for three hours to watch it and couldn't wait to find out. Yeah. But I, they forgot to keep it entertaining. Like that's, I mean, that's the thing that's the biggest knock against the Oscars. It's they're just not entertaining anymore. 
And this is supposed to be put on by the people who know how to entertain better than anybody else in the world. And they put on these boring three and a half hour shows where it's just a bunch of people getting up and thanking their agent, blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's not, it's not entertaining anymore. It's just not, you got to make it feel more like almost like a concert. Like you feel like you want to go to a, like you're watching a concert on TV, like, I want to be in the room. The Met Gala was seemed to be yeah. more exciting to be part of than the. Yes, yeah, I would. I would prefer to be in the room in the Met Gala than the Emmys. That's yeah. More. The red carpet seemed more interesting. Yeah, the, it yeah. seemed more interesting. Although I probably have to be masked because you know I'm not super billionaire. Yeah, wealthy, sorry, so Keith. You don't have I'd the have elites not like the elitists no, have that I'm doesn't plebe, carry COVID, so yeah. I don't have to wear my yeah <laughs> my mask. <laughs> doesn't affect celebrity. Apparently there's elite snot and then there's normal snot and normal snot people yes. have to wear a mask and elite snot. Yes, have to, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Elite snot's just on a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out if you finance the political agenda, you don't have to wear a mask when you're I mean, yes, AOC, AOC I'm like, are you serious? Like this woman. Yeah. Yeah. Who's I could always go on talking about, about something and like, then she's walking up with tax. The, she's tax at the, the most wealthy that possible. I know, right. Tax the rich without a but mask But it's ironic, on. Tim. It's ironic. She's going yeah. to a room with a bunch of billionaires with a giant tax the rich. Yeah. Yeah. She ah! should have her ass across the street protesting if she was literally yeah, exactly. believing what she believed. There yeah, you go. Yeah. Now you got it. I All just right. saw an amazing post. That, I don't know if you remember the uh, Aesop Rocky. I guess that's he went with Rihanna and he had like that quilt. Um, yeah. Someone posted like that was donated from someone's grandma to like a Goodwill. And like someone just literally saw that at a Goodwill and liked the way it looked and threw it on ASAP Rocky and you've got fashion. So yeah, that's really awesome. Apparently that's fashion these days. Just throw a used garment on somebody, a celebrity and it's fashion. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I didn't mean to take up off track too far with this whole Emmy thing. <laughs> Lydia is saying Keith's cap is fashion. That's what Lydia. Oh, just- <laughs> nice. Thank you, Lydia. Yes. Yes. For all our viewers who are used to seeing me all like, you know, svelte and, you know, smashingly good looking today, unfortunately, because we are recording this on a Saturday, I am in between dad duties. So you guys are lucky you get casual Keith today. So you yes. get me wearing my hat. As Jeremy pointed out, it says front and back. So I know which way it's right. <laughs> if Keith is consulting for you, don't hook him up on a Saturday. You get Saturday Keith. <laughs> yeah. It looks like this. You might get me at my kid's soccer game or yeah. at a barbecue or who knows where I'll be. Yeah. You're like super dad. <laughs> this is your super dad outfit. Sorry, it's just barstool sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, barstool sports. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So tell me about Emma Watts. What's, what's is actually happening over there? Well, Okay, I have my theory, and I'll posit it, and Jeremy can, because we both worked with her at Fox. She was there when we were there. But I do think, so she, for those of our listeners who don't know, she announced, I think it was like even last night, she's leaving the studio, she's left. Um, Her lieutenants, Daria Sersik, excuse me, and Mike Ireland are now the, I guess, the heads of Paramount. They kind of were elevated to take her place. They were co-presidents of production, and now they're sort of the heads of Paramount reporting to Brian Robinson. Jeremy Kramer, who was another former Foxer, see, Fox, Paramount is Fox Part 2, is now, uh, is head of Paramount Players, which I guess is their, I don't know, comedy genre studio or whatever. And now he reports directly into Brian Robinson instead of Emma being there. So that's sort of, and then Chris Petrican, who was, again, another person we worked with at Fox, who was the chief communications officer at Paramount, suddenly left, I think, like Monday or Tuesday of this week. So he's gone as well. So you can see Brian Robbins is starting to make these moves. 
I'll be interested to see what happens. I mean, given the complexity of executive contracts, my guess would be that it's kind of a bake-off between Daria and Michael to see who ends up getting the ring. The co-presidents of production, it never works. It always ends up, one person ends up being the victor. Emma was actually the result of a bake-off between herself and a longtime executive from a while ago, Alex Young. They were co-presidents of production. And then Emma kind of got the, the nod. So we'll see what happens there. Um, neither of them have any digital experience. Are so any of them 28 to, by any chance? Are we still? Well, they're actually pretty young. I'll give them that. They're not, they're not in their 50s. Um, they're a rising generation, which I'm happy to hear. Um, but if the goal is to pump up Paramount Plus, I'm not necessarily sure that those two are the right ones to do it. I will say this, though. They probably have really good filmmaker relationships, and that obviously still matters in the industry. It still matters who you know, who you work well with. I worked with Daria on X-Men. She's great. She knows how to get things done, and that's a big part of that job. So we'll see how this all plays out. Um, and Jeremy, you're saying basically like the story still counts. So clearly, if they understand how to tell a story in, in the new format play. I actually, it's funny, I, I bring it back I'm already circling it back. Look at that. That's number two. <laughs> number two. Um, to the whole kind of being precious about it. And I think, you know, Emma is like Jim G and like from that older school of, of, you know, that we came from about how, about how important and special and precious theatrical is. And I think, you know, they said that like she had a meeting with, I think Brian Robbins before just to kind of, you know, feel it out. And I don't think it went the way maybe they were hoping it would go. And I'm sure part of it is because she was going to bump, she was going to bump heads with him about, about kind of preserving certain things in the theatrical space. And my guess is, you know, Mike and Daria are probably because they're, you know, I would be in that situation, happy to be there. Um, they're not going to get, I don't think he's going to get that pushback from them. I think they're looking for people. She probably made promises to people, right? A set of production of like, this is what it is. It's precious. Yeah. I'll take care of you, whatever. And he comes in and says, you got, you got to not care about that anymore. And I'm sure yeah. she's like, that's not how my word works. Like yeah. it, I promised this was the agenda. This is what it's about. So I pretty much have to move on if you're going to yeah. change yeah. the agenda. That's Absolutely. often how that situation takes place. When you say it's not precious, what, what is it then? I mean, because I don't want it to be commodity. I don't want it to just be like volume. You know, I don't think, I don't see a line between movie and, movies and TV shows anymore. I don't. I really don't. And I don't think they do either. And I don't think they want someone who is going to. Um, I, I think, listen, if there was a TV show that was as popular as a movie and they think they could charge people tickets to go watch it in a theater, they would. Because it's like, it's whatever is going to make them the most money. And so, like, if Matrix 4 was a two-hour TV, you know, TV show or, or whatever, and you could only see it in the theater, boom, that's where it goes. So, uh, that's what I think it's about. It's, it's, it's kind of... So, if they could have sold tickets to the Friends reunion, they would have sold tickets to the Friends reunion. 100%. 100%. That would have been a perfect thing. And it's like, and it's interesting, like, I was reading a little bit about, like, the 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 what is it? The many saints of Newark. Uh, Newark the, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the Sopranos prequel prequel yeah. and how, yeah. and how Chase was like, yeah, he was like, I'm upset because it's the reverse. I was promised theatrical and, you know, because we were a TV show and I didn't want it, you know, I was trying to break away 
and they put it on TV. They're putting it on kind of TV in his mind. And for most people, that's natural because that's where it started. Um, but he was actually trying to go the other way. I thought the trailers, the way they marketed it, it felt so theatrical. I would have never, yeah. I wouldn't have known. I would have been kept waiting for it to show up in the theaters because of the way they pushed it. Um, but the thing is, I, I kind of have to respect, you know, you know, the, maybe the decision for the, the HBO. I mean, they'd already made the decision for HBO Max, but it's like, when you are speaking to a television audience, especially nowadays, it's like their mind is going to be like, well, I get to watch it at home because that's where I watch Sopranos. And so if they had been told like, no, 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 you cannot, you cannot watch Sopranos at, on your TV like you did for, you know, 10 years or whatever, you have to go here. You know, that might have, there might have been some pushback. Probably not, but I just think there's a comfort about like knowing your fan base. And so if your fan base is associated with kind of a certain experience, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I watched Batman on TV when I was a kid and I was happy to see <laughs> George Clooney's nipples in the well, movie theater. nice. <laughs> oh, that was in the Val documentary. Oh, Val Kilmer. I'll bring it back. I wanted to see Val Kilmer and I should have brought it yes. back. Jeremy. Yeah. You didn't <laughs> brought it. You circle. Tim got a circle. Away. <laughs> Gold stars for everybody. That was actually really good too. Uh, was the Val Kilmer Batman thing? He felt bad yeah, for him. He was like, yeah. I couldn't do anything. He's like, I couldn't hear, I couldn't move. People stopped talking. So I, I, he basically, basically like, I just became a soap opera actor, and I was like, <laughs> count how many times I put my hands on my hips in the movie because he's basically just being a soap opera actor. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that kind of depressing. Yeah, but oh well. He said it was basically just the Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones show, and he was just wherever he was told to stand. That's what he yeah. did. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What's weird is that I still remember him as being a good Batman. Like, you know what I mean? You know like, what? Yes. I was yes. like, he was, he was, he was, he was good. He was better than Clooney. He wasn't right. Keaton. Right. I mean, I hated the Joel Schumacher with the explosion of color. It drove me nuts. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, he wasn't bad. He was good. Like he had like the sort of the, the movement down and like, I, you know, I think he and Chris O'Donnell played off well each other, sort of, you know, Bruce Wayne and it, Dick Grayson. It, it, it worked. Yeah. But well, then he's like, no, like I'm done. Got, you want to feel like they've got the demons up, up here and I'm pointing to my head for, for all the time. Yeah. Cause the demons are up yeah. there. Jeremy is that where the they're up there? Yes. <laughs> well, for Val. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's so great to have you, Jeremy. I think that if, we can just book you now for November. We're going to keep this thing We mm. should actually do an Oscar preview with you. When is when oh, we oh, get? That's a good idea. Love that. Maybe love that. the end of year, right? Because the did they are they going to change the deadline again, or we're going to have an Oscars push? Uh, in the next I don't know if they're going to change it or not. I mean, there's all kinds of changes happening, and you know, uh, you know, well, we could have a strike, so we might. <laughs> the IATSE union could strike, so that could that's pretty true. much end content as we know it. So. <laughs> Who knows? But we can plan for it at the end of the year. Well, you know, but you would you would think that all the Oscar contenders are already in the can. You know what I mean? Or at least production oh, yeah, wrapped sure. on anything. Because now we're, we're heading into primetime yeah, Oscar yeah, exactly. screening season. And yeah. yeah. So. We're messing up summer. Just give them all to Macbeth. Give yes. them all to Macbeth. Because the tragedy of Macbeth is probably going to clean sweep it. Yeah. I mean. Shout out like to Cammy. Get- that would make Cam happy. Yes, I was just going to say. Shout out to Cam <laughs> Sargent, also a guest of Hollywood Rakes, friend of ours, who cut the teaser for that piece, which was awesome. So kudos to Cammy for that. But uh, yeah, we could totally do that. I would love to do an Oscar preview. That would mean I'd have to actually go watch more movies and actually go to a theater. Oh. Now that you guys bring up Cammy's name, it makes me almost have a panel. We should have Jeremy, Cammy, 
Cameron. And we got we got, we've, we've talked about getting like a Fox reunion special and just have us all like Brady bunching and drinking. And then we just start with the stories and then yeah. it's all downhill. Yeah. You should send us all a six pack of vision craft brew and then we could, uh, <laughs> I'm still brewing it, Tim. Come on. <laughs> Take a keep, few months to get the recipe just right. Okay? I keep waiting for the Vision Grab Brew to show up. Can't you just take peel off the labels? Take your have your kids peel I off will. their labels I and will. put new ones on. Well, it takes time. It takes time, Tim. You got to get the recipe right. Child labor doesn't work the way it used to. I, you can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next time when my son gets home, I'll get him to work on that. I'll start. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just have him do a crayon because that that that'll be top notch design work. Right <laughs> yeah, exactly. And have him put it on a beer, and we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the sticker fell off? Put it back on. Put Get it back more on. Gorilla glue. Make that thing work. <laughs> it's obviously Saturday. We're a little bit goofier on a Saturday. Yep. A little goofier. You got casual Keith, not formal Keith. So there you go. That's why. Jeremy, we'll, we can't wait to see you in the, our Oscar preview. Can't wait to be there. I will be dressed in even nicer than my black t-shirt. Oh, yeah, we got to get dressed up, too. <laughs> I'll have the tuxedo t-shirt on, so, you know. Yeah, like, there you go. Oh. Nice. I like it. Are you guys in the, the office at Slacker? Uh, it's funny. I actually do go to the office. We have an office uh, on, like, uh, like West Hollywood, like Beverly and Sweetser. And um, yeah, especially because, I, you know, I told you I've been kind of doing some Avid and, and working with, you know, footage and stuff like that. And a lot of that has to be in certain places on certain drives and stuff like that. So, and it's, you know, it's big, it's hard to kind of download something that big at, at home. So yeah, I've been going into the office. I might be in Hollywood next week. So we'll, uh, maybe I'll come, we can do some coffee together. Heck yeah, man. I'm right above the blue bottle on, yeah, on Beverly. Yeah, I've been to the, I've been to the office. Guys. Yeah. It's a really cool office. Really make me feel left out. Thanks guys. We appreciate that team. Oh wait, is Keith still talking? I didn't realize Keith oh. is Keith still here. I don't, I don't think so. Still right. Yeah, I thanks, just, Tim. I, Wouldn't even yeah. know Jeremy if it wasn't for me. Come on. <laughs> Give me a little credit. <laughs> well, have fun in your coffee, guys. Yeah. We'll put you on a little FaceTime and prop you up. Yeah, the yeah. Salt okay. shaker. Okay. <laughs> uh, we need to thank Lydia for also being Saturday Lydia and being part of this whole process. Lydia, thanks for what you're doing yeah. to keep this thing going and getting Jeremy back. Thank you, Lydia. Sorry to ruin your Saturday night. Thanks, Lydia. Yeah, getting Jeremy back here. It's so great to have you be part of this. And the Go Social team for keeping everybody watching and tweeting out that Jeremy's here. So we thank you for that. It's all about Jeremy all yeah. week long. We love it. Checks in the mail. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Just don't cash it for like a week. Right. Yeah. Right. Or two. Uh, I assume you guys are. And then Jeremy, we'll make sure that the that uh, everyone at Slacker gets to see this video. I'll make sure or I'll put it on the all email chain for you. So. We can oh, nicely awesome. humiliate you by Monday morning. We'll ta we'll tag your company in the uh, in the uh, in the in the post. How's that? Okay, great, love it, <laughs> love it. Go slacker. So everyone can watch you and make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good to see you guys. You guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you, you uh, too, next Tim. week, Keith. Later, Jeremy. Yep. Good to see, see you next week. See ya.